You're listening to audio from Plank Grove Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankgroveharvest.org. Well, good morning all. I'm glad you're here. I, I, I know these people would not want to be put on the spot. I hate to tell, I hate to even mention their name, but I can't tell you how excited I am about the herbs being here. And I missed you guys greatly while you were gone. And I know you guys had some interesting days there in, in, um, in uh, Ukraine. And it's through the herbs that, that we met our friends uh, Vadim and Svetlana that they began to come. And so we knew the herbs first and then they went and then they told them and they came and, and it's good. The, the way God works, like that man said, you know, um, you sent, God sent you guys here for me. And that's really exciting when that happens, you know, kind of the way God connects things. I was, you know, it's really hard. I've been wanting to start in Matthew, and I think we're just going to start Matthew tonight. Um, but before I go there, uh, I think we're just going to talk about what's going on in Israel still, to, still again this week because I got some other scripture for you. But I wanted to tell you this morning I'm coming in. And this is really my favorite. We're, we're going to talk about this in a minute. You can look at the map while I tell you this crazy tale. But Revelation 22, I want to read this to you. Revelation 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light for the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the thing which must surely take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And also in Ezekiel 47, it says, um, verse 7, When I returned, there along the banks of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. And in verse 12, along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They'll bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. I was coming in this morning, and I really do love the fall. I love to see the leaves change and the beauty of fall. And my wife, she's a summer person. The hotter, the better. And this year while she was sick, just so you feel sorry for me a little bit, this year while she was sick, she was abnormally cold. And so we did not turn on the air conditioner this summer at the house. And 81, she was like, man, yeah, I'm freezing to death. I'm like, it's 81 in here, and I'm melting. Can we open a window and put a fan in or something, you know? And uh, she's like, oh, no. And then uh, as soon as the first cool breeze comes, she goes, she always says the same thing. Every year she puts on the two coats and, oh, how sad. Winter's coming, you know? And um, But for me, the falling leaves, the beauty of fall, the, the color of the leaves and all those things, um, I just, I can't tell you why, where I grew up in the great state of Texas, we never saw a leaf fall off unless it was from drought. It, it, the leaves never hardly changed. We had live oaks and pine trees down there. If we had a tree taller than this, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't much in the tree department. And I never experienced that till I got here. And that's one thing I love about being up on the plateau. It's cooler and uh, the leaves changing and so on. And, uh, but there's something about the beauty of the trees, the beauty of this morning where they've really started to change color, you know. All those things reveal the glory of God. A lot of times we, 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 we don't 
pay attention. You know, I asked a little girl this morning, I got coffee, and I said, you notice how pretty the trees were this morning? And she had all her Halloween clothes on, you know. And uh, she's like, nah. <laughs> you know, yeah. open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. You know, open your eyes and see the, the beauty of creation, how it displays the glory of God. When, when part of God's speaking to men comes through his creation, we see his creation and what it displays, the beauty of it, the colors, the animals, the wildlife, um, all those things declare the creative ability of the Most High God and his Son. I was there with him in the beginning. All things were made through him and for him and by him were all things made that have been made. Jesus was there, and he was like, you know what? These people come along, they're going to want to see these trees change. But of the trees in the future, they may change color. They may be all different colors. And it, so we got this dichotomy thing going on. We got the terror and the horror of what's going on in Israel today, Ukraine, what's going on there, different places, Guatemala, Peru. We got all these things going on, but at the same time, seasons and times, you know, we had the the solar, uh, the, it's a, it was a solar eclipse, right, that went through. We didn't hardly see it here. Of course, it was real overcast yesterday. But all those things are for signs and for seasons and for times, for men to see the work of God in creation and for, and for him to be glorified through it. And when we live inside, we don't see it. You got to go outside to see the creation. When you go outside, then you can't help but be joyous and you can't help but proclaim the goodness of God and amongst his people. Even the poorest people in Peru, um, years ago I was up there and we were up in these real high mountains and the views were incredible. But those people had been broken down by work and they never raised their head up to see the beauty of the creation that they lived in, you know. It's like living in the Smokies and you never see, all the other people got to come to the Smokies to see the beauty, you know. And you, you're living here. How can you not see the beauty, you know. So go outside, see the beauty. Tell your children about it. My one aunt used to take her children out. And this was part of her ministry to her children, mothers. And she would make them go out and they would just sit under a tree. And then they had to find a certain number of bugs or they had to find, you know, talk about the different kinds of trees. She really knew her you know, plants and things like that. She would point out different plants to, to them and stuff. And her kids have picked that up, and now they, they like plants and stuff as well. So all those things point our children, point ourselves back to the Most High God who created all things, and he created you. And he created you for his creation to dwell in it and to find joy in it. So some of the negative things of life we can, we can surpass by seeing the joy of his creation and the beauty of it, you know. And I was just thinking about those leaves falling. When those leaves fall in eternity, it's for the healing of the nations, and those things that are broken down, those broken people, and the things that broken people do to each other, you know, you'll be able to, you know, raise a person to life. If the cinder block falls on his head, you just take the leaf over there, and you just touch it with him, and he comes to life, you know. So it was just a big deal. It was really exciting to me, <clears throat> all you who have contacted this, me this week, on the different scriptures that you've been reading, and everybody's like, hey, Dale, have you read this scripture? I have read it before. But apparently it spoke to you this week, and I'm glad it did, so I go back and read it, you know. I mean, I've read through the Bible a number of times, and I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I've, I've read it, but maybe it didn't speak to me like it spoke to you in that, in that moment, you know what I'm saying? And so different people read different scriptures, and it really, you know, really brightened their eyes, and they were like, oh, man, you should read this scripture. Alva sent me like two or three different psalms. He's like, maybe we need to read this psalm for Sunday. And he sends me another one. What about this one? Have you ever read this one? I'm like, well, pick one, brother. You got to pick one and go with that one, you know. And it's good that we're together to read the word together. I realize that we live in, in strange times, fearful times maybe. And we sit here in, relatively, in a relative peace in Tennessee, 
But like uh, Bill and Emily were saying in Guatemala, you know, how they were hemmed up in the city. That happened to us before in Peru. I was arrested in Peru one time. Another time we were trapped on a street and we ended up, um, we ended up having to kind of hide in some buildings because th this riot was a little more violent. They were coming by and they didn't want us getting kidnapped or whatever. And I kind of stand out because everybody else is this tall and I'm this tall. And so they were like, well, just, you know, tuck down over here. And I'm like trying to watch. I could just imagine you guys doing the same thing, you know. I could see Emily like curious trying to see what's going on, you know. Instead of just get down, woman, you know, <laughs> you want her to be hidden. And instead she wants to see what's going on, you know. And that's how I was. And they're like, dude, put your head down below the thing. You know, when they start throwing rocks at you, it's time to duck down, you know. And uh, we just don't experience that here. And what's sad is that's those people's lives. Joel and, and um, Roxy, they deal with that. They've been dealing with that ever since, oh, oh man, before COVID. But during COVID, you know, they were kidnapping people on the street, beating people on the street for going out and, and that kind of thing. And it's just another day to them. And by God's grace, we don't have to deal with that here, you know, at this time, and especially in Tennessee. I saw in a newsletter I get from Harvest of Asher, they're in Acro, which is in, in, uh, uh, in Israel there. It's up, it's up in here. We're going to look at this map, but it's up. Here it is right here, A-K-K-O. It's right here is where they're at. And so now, uh, what is that, Jordan and uh, uh, Lebanon, sorry, and Syria is up here, and they're bombing into that point of, of Israel there. And he said, uh, he said, one of the big things that we need, right? Did you get that, Strong? Did you get that email from them? from uh, Harvest of Asher, and he said uh, one of the big things they needed was some money to buy more food because food gets tight in a hurry. And most places in the world, and, and probably you too maybe more than you realize, they, they're living, they got about two to three days of food in the house or one day. A lot of people shop every day for groceries, especially Europe and even South America. They go out and get their food each day for that day. And he said, man, if we just had three days supply, well, that was three days ago. And they, don't have the, they didn't have the money to buy then, and they were supplying a lot of widows and, and, and people that were locked in their houses and medical places. So remember what happened when the ice storm happened in 2017? My dad was talking about they had a bad snowstorm, and he had to go like 40 miles from his house, and he lives in a somewhat rural, but they still got little towns around grocery stores and stuff. And he had to go like 40 miles to get a loaf of bread or something because the place is bought out. Grocery store has about three days of groceries in it. And so it's just something to consider, you know, as, as negative things happen, it'd be good to have some extra groceries in the house. Um, anyway, all those things, you know, that people talked about and they kind of come to mind during the week and you see what people are going through in that conflict, it, it just makes you uh, consider what, is there something I need to be doing now to prepare myself to, for those things? And it was good, like I said, for you all to write me those different uh, little, you know, I was studying this scripture, I was studying that one this week. It was just, you're being good Bereans, and I like to see that, um, just to see that the things that they were taught, were they true? That's good. Be a Berean. Whatever I tell you, you know, believe it this much, and go back and study the Word and see if it's true. Man, you can't go wrong with that. Study the Word for yourself. So there's a large number of Old Testament books that kind of relate to what's going on in Israel today, and we talked about Ezekiel 37 through 39 last week, um, but I'm going to flip through some relatively fast, and I want to keep this map up here for a second, because I want you to see some things. So if we look at our map here, and this was a good map, and you might have to get closer after church, we can leave it up after church, okay? But so when we hear in the Bible different names, we, we have different names for the same places today, okay? And so we have Edom, this was Esau, Okay, in the Old Testament, it's called Esau. 
and Moab. This was the son and Ammon. These are the two sons of Lot that were the, the nephew of Abraham. Okay, Now Am, Ammon and Moab. And then we go up here and we have Tyre, T-Y-R-E. We read that this morning in Psalm 83. And down here we have Egypt, still called Egypt. Up here we have Syria, or back in the day called Assyria. Iran's over this away, wanting to come through Iraq and uh, all that down here in the Sinai Peninsula. And then here's the Gaza Strip, what they're fighting over right now. But if you notice, this is inside the nation of Israel. This is Israel, the pink. This West Bank is kind of uh, a mix of uh, Palestinian and Jews right here. And, uh, and this is the problem, and we're going to talk about these two places today. Um, what's going on. So the Old Testament names, you can see the New Testament, or the New Modern Day. So now Moab and Ammon is Jordan. And Tyre up here is Lebanon, or Lebanon, depending on uh, whether or not you're from Tennessee. And in Egypt down here. And then, uh, what else was I going to show you? Uh, well, Syria. And all these have are putting pressure on Israel right now. In fact, Russia has troops in Syria. Um... They have some special operator type troops, about 6,000 to 10,000, but it's Russia. Who knows if they're telling the truth? Heck, it's our media. We don't know if we're getting the truth or not. And then Egypt's pushing troops to the border here. Jordan is attacking here right now. Lebanon is attacking here into the north. Syria is attacking here. This Golan Heights area is a high ground that they've been trying to get to give to Syria. The problem is it's higher than all the ground around it. And so if you give it away, well, then everybody, you'd be shooting downhill at, at the the, the people of Israel. And so, so you see the situation there. It's like old Chesty Puller said. We have Chinese and communists north, south, east, and west. We've been trying to find them, and they've solved that problem for us. You can shoot in any direction. So that's what Israel's at right now. They can shoot in any direction. Let's look at Isaiah. Uh, we're going to go through these books, and we're just going to read a couple scriptures here and there. But let's start at Isaiah 11. We're just going to read one little verse out of there. But we're going to be kind of in that mid-Old Testament area there. So all these things that are happening today, they were spoken of, you know, Isaiah, what are we talking about? 2,000, about 2,500 or 600 years ago is what we're talking about, Isaiah, okay? So 2,600 years ago, this book was written in Isaiah. Isaiah 11, look at verse 4. But with righteousness, the Lord shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall sway, uh, slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Go to 17. Uh, Isaiah 17. It says there's the burden against Damascus. Well, Damascus is right here. It's up here in, in Syria. Okay? Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city. It'll become a ruinous heap. The cities of Eror are forsaken. They'll be for flocks which lie down, and no one will make them afraid. The fortress will also cease from Ephraim. The kingdom from Damascus and the remnant of Syria, they will be as the glory of the children of Israel, says the Lord of hosts. Um, let's go to uh, Ezekiel 25. 
Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 25. Verse 15. Thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines dealt vengefully and took vengeance with a spiteful heart to destroy because of the old hatred. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I'll stretch out my hand against the Philistines and I'll cut off the Cherethrites, Cherethites and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I'll execute great vengeance on them with furious rebukes and they shall know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. Let me give you a quick thing here. So the Philistines settled in this area over time. They were along the coast. They were, they think they may have come across the Mediterranean. They were traitors and they were one of the main problems for Israel. They had trouble getting them out of the land. They were, you know, David fought against the Philistines, King Saul, and they were always there. Well, eventually as they decided to make Israel a nation 47 and 48 in there, the, uh, they wanted to leave a place. It was a, you can, you can study up on that. It was a bad deal what they did. They left them, they gave them a place, but they didn't complete the work. And so Jordan, as a people, there's no such thing as a Jordanian necessarily. They're just Arabs, okay? As well as your um, Palestinians, they're just Arabs. But they made them stay in the land, and they labeled them Palestinians, and it was a play on words on the Philistines. So Palestinians today, Philistines of, of yore, okay? And now Egypt, these are their... Arab brothers, Egypt's not allowing them in. They want the Palestinians to be there so that they can be tormented so it makes the Israelites look bad. That's the game. You can agree with that or not. That's been the problem. It's been the game. And they talk about a two-state solution. It was never the case. Israel belongs to Israel because God said it does. And they gave them the land. And ever since then, they've been trying to live with these Arabs that are largely Muslim Arabs. But it says of the Philistines of the Palestinians, it says it right here, because the Philistines dealt vengefully and took vengeance with a spiteful heart to destroy because of the old hatred. What you got going on here is a picture of the hatred of people against the people of God, and it's never changed. The hatred has never changed, sadly. And no matter what the Israelites have tried to do, the people of Israel, the Jewish state of Israel is the name of the country, but what they're trying to do is meld has tried to make relationships with these people that hate them, and it's just not a possibility. It's an old hatred. It's lasted forever. And so what does it say? It says that the Lord is going to stretch out my hand against the Philistines, and he's going to cut them off from the seacoast. Here's the seacoast. They're down the seacoast. There they are. Let's go to Psalm 83. We read it this morning. And we can just read this one little part there, Psalm 83, 4 through 7. Psalm 83, 4. They have said, they, those that hate Israel, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have, cons they have consulted together with one consent. They, the bad guys, have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites. Okay, Edom and the Ishmaelites. Put our map back up there, boss, please. The Edom and the Ishmaelites are down here on the 
can we get our map back up, please? Uh, down here on the on the south and the east side there. Here's Edom, right here. This is Ishmael. So Abraham had two main nations that came from him. He had the chosen people of Isaac, and he had another son by Hagar, um, a Canaanitess, that was Ishmael. That is the Arab people. That's the Arab people of today. He'll be a wild ass of a man, and they've proven themselves to be that way. They're hard to get along with. They're contentious. They're hard on each other. Egypt could rescue. It's about 2 million Palestinians that's in there. They could rescue them, but they're hard, and they won't let them through. Just stay there and eat it. They want to. Egypt's going to make it worse because they're going to bomb from this side and shoot and so on, and so more of them are going to get killed. Right? They don't care. They're wild. I guess it was a, uh, the wild onager. It was some kind of donkey that was just bad to the bone. I mean, you know how you can put a, a little, a little uh, donkey, what's, what's the other thing they call it? Burrow or a donkey in with your uh, sheep or your cattle, and they'll stomp a coyote to death? Did you know that? They're super aggressive with, with dogs that try to attack your flocks. Well, these wild onagers apparently were just, they were just bad. Four-wheel drive, teeth and claws, they would just hurt you. And so they, uh, and so he said, that's how, that's how these Arabs are going to be. They're going to be, they're going to be bad men. And it's not a thing to be ashamed of. To be a great warrior is great. The bad thing is if you're on the other side and they're turned on you, that's, that's a negative. So, so look at these people in 83 right here. He lists them all in the Psalm. And that's why a lot of people have been quoting this first. So we got Edom. We got Ishmael, all this is Ishmaelites right here, the desert people. This is Ishmaelites, the desert people down here. Uh, we have uh, Moab right there listed. We have uh, Ammon and Amalek. What's so sad is these were all the fruit of Abraham. Did you know that Amalek was one of his uh, sons through his Keturah, his, his wife after Sarai? God didn't give him permission to remarry, but he did. And what he did was he made enemies for his own children. And we're talking first cousins here. Half-brothers, first cousins is what we're talking about. Amalek, the Midianites, those came from Abraham. That's one of his offspring. Philistia, which is, uh, is on the coast right here. Tyre, which is right here up, up high in, in Lebanon today. Uh, Assyria, which is this country right here. All these, it says, here we got Psalm 82, talking around 3,000 years ago written, and it says that these countries will surround Israel and do exactly what they're doing. They have before, and they're doing it now. I want you to look at this last one, Zephaniah. It's a hard book to find, Zephaniah Haggai. It's a little skinny book there, almost at the end of the Old Testament. It's only got three little chapters, and uh, it's pretty short there. But look at Zephaniah 2, if you can find it. You probably don't read that a lot. Um, and this is it's, it's sad but it has to be this way it says verse 4 well verse 3 seek the Lord all you meek of the earth that's all, all people every person has access to the most high God if they choose to accept it every person has access to his justice to his mercy, to his long-suffering, to his peace, to his grace, if they choose to accept it. It's up to them to accept it. If they do, all peoples from all languages, even you Gentiles in this room with me, Gentile. It says, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility, 
And it may be that you'll be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. You know what's so sad about these Palestinians? It's like uh, uh, Alva said this morning, they're not all Nazis. Some of them are trying to make a living. Some are trying to get their kids in school. Some of their kids are trying to take care of an elderly person that's sick. Some of them have cancer. Some of them have this and that. And they're just trying to live. But because of the wickedness of some, they're all going to get um, crushed. It may be that you'll be hidden. Will God protect the Christian, the believer in the Most High God? He will, or that person will die and he'll be in heaven with him. But I would say his provision will be enough either way. For Gaza shall be forsaken. Well, we know where Gaza is. <laughs> That's who's battling against them. Ashkelon, desolate. They shall drive out Ashdod at noonday, and Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines. I will destroy you, and there shall be no inhabitant. But I thought this was interesting. Verse 6, the seacoast shall be pastures with shelters for shepherds and folds for flocks. And the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah, and they shall feed their flocks there in the houses of Ashkelon. They shall lie down in evening, for the Lord their God will intervene for them and return their captives. So we have, I, I will say, I, I strongly doubt, sadly, that any of those people that were kidnapped and taken as hostages, I, it would probably be better for them to be killed than to be in the kind of suffering that they'd be tortured under right now. However, Already, can we see our map one more time, please? Henry, can we see our map one more time? Um, the, that area there, it's already, you can't tell from this map, but if you look at it on like Google Earth, this is already largely pasture, all this is. And what they're going to do is they're going to make this into a pasture. And about half of this is pretty open kind of pasture land, and most of the people kind of live in the upper part there, right up against the border. And I believe it, it kind of seems like, I will say, some people say, well, you know, I don't want to prophesy and be proven wrong. But just watching what's happening there, I can very well easily see that Gaza, part of it's fixing to be turned into a pasture, and this word's going to be completed. And I, the thing I was really thinking about the most was how God's word is you know, we read this, I read this 20 years ago, they read this 200 years ago, um, and they can't see this at all, because Israel's not in the land. But Israel's in the land now, and we can see these things happening, and we say, well, God's word is true, and he does what he says he's going to do. And that gives us hope as believers, as we read his word, like, okay, we can trust his word. What he says is true, and we can believe that what he says he'll do for us, he will do as well. Um, the last thing I'll tell you, I told him this morning in Sunday school, was um, so many of those scriptures had different things about the Lord ruling with an iron rod, um, uh, uh, disciplining one country or another with an iron rod. And uh, so the war right now is called uh, the Iron Sword. Um, the protective thing they got going on is called, called the Iron Dome. Anyway, they like that word of iron there. And I think God's judgment is absolutely coming through uh, his chosen people right now against those, sadly, and we're supposed, we're commanded to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We read that last week in Psalm 122. And I remembered thinking about all those things and thinking about it's in Luke 19. I know I'm jumping you all around everywhere. I just wanted you to see those Old Testament books. And um, so you can go and study those for yourself and see if these things are coming to be. Um, 
and, and how that should prepare us in our minds, in our thinking. Do we, need to, do we need to change some things in our lives? Do we need to change the way we're seeing things, doing things, and speaking to people uh, because of what's going on there? Luke 19, Jesus drawing near to the city, he wept over it saying, if you had known, even you especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden for your eyes, from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children with you to the ground. And they'll not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus, when he comes down to Israel, he weeps over the city and he knows that they only have till about 70 AD when Rome comes in and completely wipes them out. For 2,000 years, because they rejected Messiah, for 2,000 years they'd be separated from the land. But not forever, because God keeps his promises. God does what he says he's going to do. But he wept over them, knowing that they had rejected him as Savior. But for us, the non-Jewish person, that was the greatest transition of authority of the Word of God that ever was, where he... he gave it to the Gentiles to protect it, to keep it, to learn, to study, and to know the most high God of the universe. Right there is the turning point. The Jews rejected him, and the Gentiles grabbed on for all their might. They, never, they were never the chosen people. We were orphans. We were lost. We were separate. We had no God. And he said, I'll be your God, and you can be my people. I'll graft you into my people, and you'll be just like my people. If you can meet my, if you, if you, uh, keep my commandments, if you obey my, my words that I give you, if you obey my statutes and my laws and my commandments and these things. And uh, Jesus says, if you love me, why don't you do what I tell you to do? <laughs> so as believers, if we love him, start doing what he tells you to do. Start doing those things, okay? So here's a couple of thoughts I had. As believers in Messiah, it's good that we continue to pray for Israel, Jerusalem specifically, because we're commanded to in Psalm 122. The God of all creation thinks very highly of that place, and when he returns, you know, wherever you fall, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, whenever he returns, I'm going to tell you, he's going to put his foot down on the Mount of Olives right there in Jerusalem. That's where he's going to be. It's going to be there. And it's going to be the way he wants it to be. And none of these things, none of his hand is going to be pushed in these things. But I, I tell you that I would be surprised beyond measure if Israel does not come out smelling like a rose after this. If all those other countries don't just fall away and give up and, and ask for mercy when this is over, I would be shocked. Because it's Israel's land and they're doing what they're supposed to do. But here's the thoughts I was thinking. First was, had Israel been obedient to God from the moment they entered the land, this wouldn't be a problem today. He told them in the Old Testament, this applies to us, by the way. He told them in the Old Testament, this is your land. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy 7. When the Lord your God, verse 1, brings you into the land which you go to possess and casts out the nations before you, and then he lists the nations, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. And listen, this is important. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. You shall not make marriages with them. 
You shall not give your daughter to their son nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. And thus you shall deal with them. And he tells them what to do, destroy their altars and pillars and all that stuff. Verse 6, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you are more in number than any other people, for you are the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh of Egypt. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. He said, do not make a covenant with them or show mercy to them. So Israel went back in the land and they made a covenant with the so-called Palestinians. They went back in the land and they made a covenant there in the West Bank and in the Golan Heights. They made covenants. And he said, it's your land. Take the whole land. He makes it so they can go back in the land. And it says in the Bible, as we read through the Bible, we'll see that Jerusalem, I'm sorry, Israel will eventually take over all their land again like it's supposed to be. But had they been obedient in the first place, not just to the covenant of not making uh, not just to the command of not making covenants with other people, but also had they never made alliances with them, they wouldn't have to do the terrible things they're doing now to restore peace in the land. So first they made a place for them, and then they made alliances, or we could say allowances, for their behavior. Um, Numbers 25, it talks about, um, you can write that one down, Numbers 25, but it talks about the mingling of the um, Israelites with other people. And he says, don't mingle. It's don't mingle. This is don't mingle territory. As a believer, when a believer makes a place for the wicked to dwell, when he turns a blind eye to their wickedness, he prays that it never touches them, he tries to ignore it and set it aside, we're being foolish. We end up opening the door for the evil one or the flesh or the, or the world to enter into us and to expand in our lives. The wicked are not constrained by laws. You can make all the gun laws you want. I don't know where you stand on gun thing. Uh, for me, the Second Amendment, one guy said if that was the First Amendment, then we wouldn't have had to have the First Amendment. If the Second Amendment was the First Amendment, everybody can have a gun, well, then the First Amendment would have been like, say whatever you want. But the Second Amendment, we're, we're one of the few countries that have that, maybe the only and one of the things that happened in Israel was nobody had a means of protecting themselves. And so only the military could protect them. So the bad guys came in, they started killing people randomly. Um, you can have all the laws you want protecting people. You can't own a gun, but all that does is the guy that's not obeying the laws anyway is going to have a gun. That's just how it works. It seems like pretty simple to think it out that way in Peru. No guns, nobody has a gun, except for the bad guys and the police, and both are corrupt. You can't go anywhere without getting uh, held up on the street. They come in a pack. They call them piranhas. Uh, we call it piranhas. They come surround you, four or five guys, six guys, and they just mob you, and they got guns, and they take all your stuff, and they run off. What are you going to do? The, the guns making a law to say it's wrong to murder, has that ever stopped someone from murdering someone? If they don't murder you with a gun, they murder you with a bat or a stick or a rock or whatever. Cain, I don't believe, had a lever-action 30-30. 
I don't know what he killed Abel with, but it wasn't a gun. But he's wicked in his heart, and he had hatred in his heart. So, So the wicked are not constrained by laws. Only the righteous are. I went to court, and these guys, not because I was in trouble, just so I know. It was Alva. Alva was in trouble. No, no. I went to court uh, for whatever reason. And I heard people in the parking lot saying, well, I spent more time in a cop car than the cops have. And they were laughing about it. Only righteous people feel fear going to jail. Bad guy, he don't care about going to jail. It's just another day to him. It's free meals and, and a place to sleep at night. You can never... What happened, and I'm, I'm getting off track here a little bit, but what happened here, and I want to bring it back to you, is what happened was years ago, they let a homeless camp set up in their midst, but they didn't make any laws restraining it. If I have a piece of land, if we have this church property right here, and just any homeless guy that wants to starts setting up on it, and we don't go out there and make some rules like, hey, you got to clean up this thing, you got to, you know, be in the bed by this time, no drugs, no alcohol, you got to get a car and you got to move out of here within 6 months. If we don't do that and enforce that, before long you'd have 500 homeless people there and they would be telling you what to do. That's what happened. They never they never put the wickedness in check until it overran them and now when it overflowed onto them they had to deal with it. And it happens to us as believers. We don't we let stuff start to grow in our life without ever checking it. One of the parts of the fruit of the Spirit, I was talking to Andrew about this, that I think it's overlooked a lot, it's the word self-control. Self-control. Probably the biggest issue in the United States right now is people don't have any self-control. That's why we're the shape we are. That's, we, don't, we don't stop when we're full. We eat more and we eat more. We like it because it's good. We don't have self-control. That's why we have drunkenness and, and car wrecks from drunkenness because people don't just drink one, they drink... 10 and then get in their car and drive around. Um, we don't have self-control. People see a, a, a woman and they lust for them, and instead of having self-control, they take her and attack her. It's because we don't have self-control. We lo- These guys breaking into these stores and uh, just taking 20 people and kicking the door and then stealing all the stuff out of the stores, um, it's a lack of self-control. A person with self-control says, well, I better get a job so I can earn some money so I can buy a Louis Vuitton belt or whatever, <laughs> you know? But people without self-control, they said, I'm going to take your belt. It's a lack of self-control. When that, it can happen to any person. Um, it can happen to believers. That's why we're supposed to be developed in the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. We're supposed to be developed in that thing. You grow in the fruit of the Spirit. You grow. You get more self-control. If your cell phone, go look on your cell phone. See how many hours a day you got on your cell phone. That's a lack of self-control. I mean, don't look at mine either. It's a lack of self-control because we're not, what, what could I better be doing with my time? Anything. But because I lack self-control. So it's very difficult to uproot things that you have allowed to become entrenched. Ask anyone that's tried to quit smoking. Ask anyone that's tried to quit drinking how difficult it is. So in appeasement to politicians or nice people or whatever, who are actually ungodly and unwise, the people of the land tried to make peace with those that hated them. They tried to go hand in hand with the people of the land that hated them. Believers in the United States have tried to do the same thing. We've tried to go hand in hand with people that hate us. And we're like, why do you still hate us? We're such nice people. Just see how nice we are. And they say, we hate you. Why do you hate us? Well, I don't, we don't know because you're, you're God's people and we hate you. That's, Jesus told us that was going to happen. And that's what's happening. So now Israel has to deal 2.1 million 
uh, Palestinians there in that Gaza area. It's a really small, relatively small area there. Um, let me see what it says there. We'll, we'll figure it out here real quick. I'd say it's about 25 miles by about less than five miles wide. And there's 2.1 million people living in that. They got to go somewhere. They should have dealt with it years ago. They, they let it get entrenched. We let sin get entrenched in our lives until for long the Gaza thing overflowed onto that whole country because we didn't deal with it when we should have initially. So anyway, so does the godless among God's people deserve discipline? Yes. Do the godly, do you want to watch or take part in or endure discipline with them? No. But you have to. We have to because we let it get out of control. We let it get out of control in our own country. We didn't speak 50 years ago, 100 years ago when it was getting out of control. God's, why does it have to be dealt with by God? Because it says in the Bible that in God's presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. The thing is, is that his presence is not where wickedness is. He says to cleanse the iniquity from among you. If you want his presence, then the iniquity that's among you, even if it's the iniquity that's in you, it needs, it needs to be cleansed. It's got to be straightened up. It's got to be, uh, make me white. <laughs> Wash me with hyssop. Uh, and I'll be clean. Uh, how's it go? Um, how's it go? Cleanse me with hyssop, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and, I'll, and make me whiter than snow. He does the cleansing. He does the striking with the hyssop. He does the cleaning. But, man, allow him, and then show some self-control so that it doesn't entrench itself again and begin to grow in you again and take you down. It's, the hardest, it's in the hardest times, though, that men seek God. They don't see God that closely when everything's going their way. It's in the hardest times that they desire his righteousness to dwell with them. When we go before the judge, we want judgment and righteousness. When we stand before the judge, we want mercy. When we're getting, when we're getting what we're due, we're like, have mercy, Lord. And when we see bad guy over here getting what he's doing, he's like, pour it on him, Lord. Uh -huh. So there's a covenant. Here's the last thing I want to show you. And it starts at... Uh, we'll just be in Genesis from here, but Genesis 15, there is a covenant between God and his people. I've heard a bunch of people, more than one, I hear it on the radio, and I've heard Christian people say this too. Why has Israel got any more right to the land than the Palestinians? Um, they put a fence around them. And it's really hard for us to conceive as people because we only see what we consider injustices, but we're not the one who made the plan. God said, these are my people. I got a place for them, and it's their land, and it's their time. Um, the God of creation, Yahweh, told Abraham that he and his generations have ownership of the land. Uh, Genesis 15, I'm not even there. I need a Bible page turner guy for me up here. I saw one of those on YouTube. They got a guy, and he just sits there, and the guy says, turn to, and he does it. We'll have to work on that one. Genesis 15, verse 9. The Lord speaking to Abraham. So here's where he makes the covenant initially with Abraham. And in most covenants, like you know the blood brother thing, you're in school, and you're supposed to cut your finger and then you shake hands and then we're blood brothers for life, right? That's, this is a true thing. It's a cultural thing from way back when and it was carried on all this time. Indians, you know, it's a lot bigger cut. And then you hold your hand up so the blood ran down your arm, very visible to the other person and you shook hands, blood brothers for life. In this covenant that God makes, he says, get these animals, bring me a three-year-old heifer, verse 9, a three-year-old goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brings them, cuts them down the middle, Abraham, 
and places each piece opposite one another, but he didn't cut the birds in two. So he, he lays them down in a row. And apparently the game was the, the two men that made a covenant. Now, this is God and Abraham. But in general, what you would do is we would start on both sides of the, of the cut-through animals, and then we would weave our ways through it like a figure eight kind of thing and meet in the middle. So we got this eternity kind of loop thing going on. But we both had passed through the blood. And so it made it, this is what it is. This cannot be broken unless the two of us decide to break it. This is a covenant before God and men that this thing. In this covenant right here, only one that I know of, only God passes through the blood. Abraham lays on the side. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Verse 12, 13, he said to Abraham, Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be stranger in a land that is not theirs and will serve there them, and they will afflict them 400 years. He's talking about Egypt. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in your old age, good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark. Behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land. From the river of Egypt, if we could see our picture again, the river of Egypt down there, river Euphrates, the Kenites, Kenizzites, and so on, Hittites, Perizzites, all that, all of Israel from the river of Egypt right here to there. God gave them the land. Chapter 17. He tells Abraham, Abram now, Abram, 99 years old, Lord appears to him, 17.1, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. My covenant, verse 4, will be with you, and you will be a father of many nations, changes his name. Verse 9, God says to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations, you shall keep and the part I want you to keep, he tells them, is for all your sons to be circumcised. When he is eight days old, verse 12, that's his side, proving that he agrees to the covenant. Go to uh, 23, Genesis 23. Sarah passes away. Abraham doesn't have any hold on the land except passing through it at this point. But now he's fixing to have a bought and paid for title deed. Verse 17, the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it and all the trees that were in the field which were within the surrounding borders were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of his city that was in Hebron. This was in Hebron area. So, Verse 20, and the field and the cave that is in it was deeded to Abram, Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial place. 14, verse 7, the Lord God, sorry, 24, chapter 24, verse 7, the Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house spoke, uh, sorry, from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying, to your descendants, I give this land. God gave him the land. God gave him the land. Uh, 26. Genesis 26, 3. So hard times come. Um, Isaac tries to go 
and to King Abimelech go closer to the coast. <coughs> uh, and uh, the Lord appears to Isaac, verse 2, and said, do not go down to Egypt. This is your home right here. This is your land. Uh, live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. I'll make your descendants multiply. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Have we been blessed by the seed of Abraham? Yes, because the seed he's talking about is Christ. I got one more there, and you can look it up on your own. It starts in Joshua chapter 13, and it goes through Joshua chapter 19. And it's the, it's the uh, what do you call it, where they measure property? It just slipped my mind. Uh, uh, boundaries, you know. Survey. It's the land survey. The land survey to the land of Israel is in the book of Joshua. We're talking 3,500 years ago. The survey to the land of Israel is written in the word of God, and it says this belongs to you. Here's the thing. The land of Israel belongs to the Israelites, whether you accept that or not, whether the Philistines or the Palestinians or the Jordanians accept it or not, because God gave it to them. The way we do land transfers, we go make a contract, get a survey and so on, and then we get the land. We purchase it or we steal it. You know, the Old West way of you squatted on the land, you know, and it became yours if you lived there a couple years or something and started improving it. But um, contracts with men, they can't be trusted. Ask the Indians. They got moved all around, you know, the United States, and they shrunk their land down, shrunk and moved them into the desert and whatever. They took eastern Indians that were used to nice green grass and sent them out there to the desert, and they wondered why they starved out. I mean, they weren't used to that. They took their land from them. And I'm not, I'm not dogging us as a country for doing what we did to the Indians. We can't do anything about that. But Israel, Israel's land belongs to them because God gave it to them. It's deeded to them 3,500 years ago. Now, you can go squat on their land, but it's still Israel's land. And God's going to keep his promises to his people and do what he says he's going to do. I promise that this land will always be yours. Even when they got kicked off for a time, there was always a remnant in Israel. And that guarantees ownership. Genesis 18.25 says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Can we trust the God of all the earth to do right? Well, he's done right by Israel. He told him he'd restore him to the land, and he did. He's done right to me. I've heard people say one thing or another about me. And, you know, everything from judging what kind of car I drove or, or what kind of clothes I wear or whatever. Can you not look at me and think, man, God has really blessed that guy. I can trust in the God who made me to continue to care for me because he's cared for me thus far. Can you trust in the God who made you who sent the Messiah to save you, can you trust in him because he's cared for you thus far? Amen. Right? Why would we judge? Why do we, we're so quick to like, uh, you know, the old saying, you know, you can't, you guy drives a new car up. Well, you can't hide money. You ought to be saying, man, God's blessed you. And that man should say in return, yes, he has. God, man, I was needing some wheels and he blessed me. Thank God. He's always going to do what he says he's going to do. He did with Israel and he has with us. It may be hard for us to accept. We may not think um, the things that he's doing. We don't understand the purposes in it. Does he use men to discipline other nations? Yes. Can, is it all going to work out perfectly right now for Israel? I don't know. 
But if I read his scriptures, I see him working just like he said he was going to work in his word. And I can trust him to work in my life like he says he's going to work in the word. We can trust him. I pray you trust him. You don't have to argue about with people that want to argue about whether or not the Israelites are doing this stuff right or wrong in this war. You don't have to. But we can take those people to the word of God and show them that the land belongs to Israel. We can take them to the word of God and show that those people have been going after Israel for all this time. And then we can also show them the reason they do is because they hate God. But we love God. The Bible says that all things work together for good to those, how's it go? Those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. But the opposite of that is all things work together for bad who are not known by God and are not called by his purpose. If you're called by his purpose, all the things that you're going through right now, I, don't, I, don't, I know we got different people got court stuff coming up. I know we got different people have health problems. And all those things are going to work together for good because you've been called by God. You're loved by him. And you're called according to his purpose. And so here's the thing. Don't mingle. Quit mingling with the world. Quit getting the stuff of the world on you so bad. Mingle with God. Mingle with God's people. You're going to be better off. Don't allow the sowing of seeds of unrighteousness in your, in your life. Show some self-control. Stay obedient. I was thinking about the Word of God, you know. Um, it's like, a, I don't want to tell it myself, but I did look at a Southern Living magazine the other day, and, and they had this big flower pot. It's like a ladies decorating magazine. Not that, not that I would know, but anyway, there was, it had this nice flower pot, and it had all these uh, flowers mixed in, or different kinds, right? And whoever had the eye, they just had this really artistic eye. The Word of God is like that. It's covered with blooms. It all works together. It's very beautiful, and we need to do a better job of understanding and reading it and accepting it for ourselves and grabbing onto the promises that are there. The Lord is good to those who diligently seek Him, and I pray that you seek Him, that you know Him, and I pray that you see His good hand upon you. We got a, uh, we're going to sing one more song, I think. Let's, um, we're going to stand together and sing this song, and then we'll pray together. Some of the things that I, that I, I feel called to teach, I really, I really wanted to teach in Matthew. I really did, but I really feel like we needed to know these things as well. Let's sing this song, and, uh, and we'll go break bread together. will stand. The battle belongs to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. When the power of darkness comes in like a flood, belongs to the Lord. He's raised up a standard, the power of his blood. The battle 
belongs to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. When your enemy presses in hard, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. Take courage, my friend, your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. what's going on in your life right now, I pray that you recognize that the battle belongs to the Lord. I pray that the Israelites that are there, that they see God's miraculous hand of power as they're fighting five or six nations off, and somehow they're victorious. It works every time. When God's in the battle, we got nothing to fear. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this morning and we give you this message. I pray that the word that was spoken was the word you had for us today. Though it's like reading the newspaper today or listening to the radio, these scriptures written thousands of years ago are just as relevant today as they've ever been. You're proving yourself to be true and faithful and, and everlasting and eternal. Father, I pray that this word was encouraging to people, knowing that you are the God of all creation, that you created them, that you love them, and you have a purpose for them in their lives. I pray for these that are here um, that may or may not know you, Lord. I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. They'll seek the Lord while he may still be found, and they'll draw unto you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us, your long-suffering thus far to us here in Tennessee. Lord, I pray for our governmental leaders, those in power in Washington, Lord. May they not turn their back on Israel, because you said that you would curse those who curse Israel, and you would bless those who bless Israel. I pray you make a change in our hearts that we come to understand that you love um, the Israeli people, for whatever reason, you chose them, but you also made a way for us to be grafted in through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Lord. So I pray that we would be grafted in, we would accept our grafting, we would be obedient servants to you, Lord, in all things. Lord, we give you all honor, glory, and praise, for you are good and greatly to be praised. In Jesus' name, amen.